Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Drive for Show DFS for Doe here on Roto Grinders. Happy to be back with you this week. Uh, and, uh, you know, in case you're living uh, living under a rock, a little bit of news in the golf world today. So, uh, you know, the uh, the golf world didn't want to let me ease back in from uh, a week off, but I'm back in action this week. Justin Van Zuden, a.k.a. STL Cardinals 84. Uh, coming off, uh, I guess, a, a nice week off. Uh, would have been nice if, uh, if my Cardinals could have won some games last week, but that's okay. We're back in the saddle. We've got Derek Farnsworth, a.k.a. Notorious, alongside, as usual. And uh, Noto, we've got a lot to talk about tonight. So uh, what's up? How you been? Yeah, I woke up this morning to a few different texts and uh, couldn't believe it. I thought it was one of those, uh, you know, just fake articles that everyone was posting uh and i didn't want to retweet it until i knew it was real but uh man what a weird what a weird thing to wake up to and uh pretty much out of the blue not even the players knew about the merger not even uh the ceo of lib knew about the merger so uh, a lot more questions and answers at this point but uh golf's going to be very different here in the near, near future yeah, so if you haven't kept up on all the news, um, it, it, word breaking this morning that the PGA Tour and the Live Tour are uh, merging. I, I don't like the use of that term. If you read kind of the, the details, at least what's been released so far, uh, it just seems like they've created kind of an overarching group to oversee the PGA Tour and the Live Tour and the DP World Tour. Uh, and as of now, 
the PGA Tour, all three tours are still going to have their separate schedules. Again, as of now, very important point. Things could all change once this all gets ironed out. But it doesn't seem like it's necessarily on the surface just a merger of the entities and that it's all of a sudden going to just be one giant golf tour. Uh, so everyone's kind of calling it a merger. That's what all the articles are saying. I don't really know if that's technically what's happening, um, but that's just kind of the nature of this breaking out of nowhere and not a whole lot of details being reported. So maybe it ends up being a merger. Um, the, the kind of the common theme that I've seen so far is basically that the Saudi investment group never really had interest in running their own tour. They just wanted to get their feet into the golf world. And now that they're being able to invest in the PGA tour, uh, the common line of thinking seems to be that the live tour will eventually just go away. Um, but again, this is all kind of hearsay and speculation at this point. Um, but you know, a good day for those that took the, uh, the bag of cash and went to the live tour and are probably going to be able to get back, uh, on the main tour in the future and a rough day for those who were just staunch defenders, supporters of the PGA tour, didn't take the money, uh, and frankly have to be pretty much uh, pissed at the moment, uh, for lack of a better word, at, uh, at the developments here. Do you think like guys like Rory McIlroy and Justin Thomas that have been at the forefront of supporting the PGA Tour, uh, Jay Monahan is getting quite the backlash uh, from what seems like you know most of the players and the uh, social media pundits and the writers and all that today. Uh, just uh, kind of your general thoughts on... Uh, on how all this might shake out and, and how you feel about the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, uh, the biggest <laughs> the person I feel the most for has got to be Rory McIlroy. Uh, if he didn't really know about all this, I mean, PGA Tour was out there just putting him in front of the mic, having him say all the right things for, you know, eight months now. And uh, then out of the blue, you know, uh, everything that Jay Monahan said, uh, he went against and uh, all the morals that he was talking about and, uh you know, they, they posted a clip from him, you know, about a year ago at this tournament, I believe. And, uh, you know, some of the quotes that he made were just completely opposite of what he ended up saying today. So, yeah, I mean, Jay Monahan, hard to like the guy at the moment. Uh, the players meeting, it sounds like it got pretty heated today. Um, everyone calling him a hypocrite. And uh, I, I have a hard time seeing him stay on as CEO. Um, I know that's the plan right now, but uh, this is supposed to be a player's, uh, you know, tour, right? I mean, I don't... I don't know how this merger or whatever you want to call it happens without uh, any consent from the players. Uh, if it's a player's tour, it's kind of weird how that happened. And uh, I still got to go through litigation and all that stuff. So, I mean, who knows uh, what's going to happen? You know, I saw Dan Bach tweet that, you know, we didn't see the merger from FanDuel and DraftKings, uh, you know, didn't, wouldn't go through legally. So we'll see if how that all plays out. Um, it also sounds like the PJ tour is under investigation from the DOJ and perhaps that uh, some of this might have to do with them not wanting to disclose what has been in the books in the past. Uh, maybe there's some shady things going on there. Just so many rumors right now. Um, but, you know, if we get all the best golfers on the same tour again, I think it is at least good for golf, um, whether it be, you know, some drama and all that fun stuff in, in the in the near term. But uh, hopefully eventually it'll be just one big happy family once again. Yeah, it seemed like, you know, uh, I saw a lot of people speculating that, you know, Brooks Kepka single-handedly did this by competing at both the PGA and the Masters and, you know, playing really well. Everyone kind of thought the live guys were just going to, you know, let their golf games go to crap. And, uh, and, and, you know, for the last year, the biggest debate was whether or not the live tour was going to get official world golf ranking points. Uh, and now that seems to be irrelevant. 
uh, it just, it feels like there's a lot more that's going to come out on this. I mean, obviously this all just kind of broke uh, very early this morning, about, you know, eight, nine o'clock in the morning, depending on what time zone you were in. Uh, and it just it was kind of fast and furious from there. So still a lot of stuff that we don't know. Uh, the rest of the schedules for this year are going to play out as planned. Um, and of course the PGA tour just redesigned their whole like fall schedule. Uh, again, who knows what this is going to look like in the future, but it seems like the rest of this calendar year, including the live tour schedule, uh, is going to play out as planned. Obviously there was something more, you know, happening on both sides of this, uh, you know, the live tour with their tournaments being broadcast and occasionally preempted on like the CW, uh, obviously they weren't getting TV ratings, uh, but the uh, the deep pockets talk at the end of the day, and uh, and I think now the investment group got what they wanted and and got into the PGA Tour. And I mean, frankly, right? If we look uh, one year from today, I mean, do you think that the Live Tour is still going to be a separate golf playing entity at that point? I don't know. It kind of sounds like they might do like keep the three tours separate and then do some combined events where we have the team aspect that they've been know trying to do uh maybe i think five years is probably you know i wouldn't expect the live tour to be around uh maybe next year but uh yeah it's interesting and it's kind of sad that uh, at the end of the day everything just comes down to money um that kind of is how life works and even though you know everything we've heard from bj tour last year just it's all meaningless uh when they take the money so uh, yeah, it's kind of a sad day for golf, but uh, maybe maybe good in the long run. Who knows? Um, we've been talking about so many different what ifs uh, on this show over the last you know 18 months, and uh, now we have even more. So uh, it's at least an exciting time. I don't think we've had golf news this big ever that I can remember. Um, you know, even all the Tiger stuff you know, hasn't even been this talked about. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Um, do you have any other thoughts on it? No, I mean, nothing that I've formalized yet. I do agree. I think it's best for the fans if the best golfers are playing in the same spot, right? Because how many outside of the majors, how many live golf shots of Cameron Smith and Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka did anybody watch over the last year? It, none for most people, even us devoted golf fans. I mean, weren't tuning into the youtube streams when the live tour first started up or the cw network since they've been on there uh it just i mean the the, the delivery of the the content just wasn't in a spot where it was accessible easily or enough people cared about it um from the golf angle you know to watch it so and, and we've seen how diluted some of these fields have been in some of these tournaments i mean it was really evident at first uh, you get all these guys back in there and suddenly, you know, things are going to look a whole lot different again. I think it's going to make the events, if they're all playing together, at least more often than just the majors, um, even if the Live Tour does retain a separate schedule for a while, uh, it's going to be better for the overall fan. I feel bad for the guys that were loyal to the PGA Tour and basically ended up in the same spot with, you know, millions of dollars less in their pocket. Um, but you know, obviously they can't go back and change that. It seems like there's going to be like a, you know, a fine or a re-entrance fee levied on those players that left. Um, but again, that's all hearsay at this point. So, you know, maybe they redistribute some of that money 
who knows? But uh, I mean, you got to think that some of those high end guys that you, like you said, were getting thrown in front of a microphone at every opportunity to defend the PGA Tour, um, you know, they rightfully probably have a, a reason to be a little bit upset today. Yeah. And uh, I wonder if a lot of them are going to end up getting compensated for sticking with the PGA Tour uh, just based on some of. You know, Jay Monahan's yeah, They're not going to be able to give all of them $50 million. I, don't, I mean, just based on some of Jay Monahan's comments today, it was just like, yeah, these guys made the right decision and they'll, yeah, so stuff like that. So everyone's kind of thinking that something was uh, going to be done under the table. But uh, if not, I mean, they have every right in the world to be mad, uh, especially somebody like Matt Fitzpatrick. I mean, he's been very vocal against letting these guys come back and now he has no choice in the matter. But uh, I think the biggest mistake that the PJ Tour made Number one, not listening to live for a partnership right off the bat. I mean, they were completely against it. Then they tried to fight money with an endless bank account. I mean, just this elevated, uh, you know, event schedule, the sponsor started falling off. Uh, it's just hard to keep that up when you're, you know, going against somebody that uh, doesn't have a budget. And, uh, yeah, it just seems like it was an unsustainable business model. And uh, eventually they caved, and now we are where we are. But, uh, yeah, uh, a lot of... A lot of winners today and a lot of losers, so uh, kind of a weird day. Definitely a weird day, um, and of course we'll we'll get into the golf here, but I wanted to make sure that we covered that at the uh, the front part of the show here uh, because, like you said, one of the biggest golf news stories uh, that we've seen in, in our lifetime. So uh, perhaps in the in the history of the modern game, it, it's just uh, weird. It, it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Um, but, uh, you know, we probably won't see all this shake out, uh, finalized and play out, you know, until maybe next year's 2024 schedule starts uh, getting unveiled. And of course, uh, you know, we'll probably get more details uh, as the months go along on, you know, how the, uh, the whole agreement is going to work. Uh, pretty remarkable that especially a couple weeks after a major, they were able to keep this all under wraps so tightly. Um, without anybody knowing about it, uh, seems like a lot of players found out on Twitter this morning as well. I uh, saw guys like, you know, Cal Morikawa tweeting, uh, fun to wake up to the news on Twitter. Uh, but, uh, that's just the social media age we live in when something breaks. Uh, it's going to be reported all over. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so they've been telling. working on this for seven weeks. How does that, yeah. it's wild how that doesn't but only, get out. But I... Only like, you know, five people were involved or something. And it's <laughs> just really strange. Uh, with the, the dichotomy of it, you know, being a player's tour. And if you look at one of Monaghan's statements from like eight, eight, 10 months ago or eight months ago, uh, you know, decrying the those that, uh, that, that that took the money and even, you know, using 9-11 comparisons and things like that, which uh, is kind of what has him in a little bit of hot water, among other things, obviously, today. But, um, you know, we could go on about this for a long time, but uh, just wanted to make sure we at least touched on it at the top of the show. Uh, and then take a quick look back to last week. So I was on vacation. I did not play. I did not really follow. I just took the week off last week to uh, recharge and did see that uh, Victor Hovland won in a playoff. Uh, seemed like Denny McCarthy kind of had it in the bag there with three or four holes to go, uh, but uh, ended up making a bogey. Hovland made a birdie. Um, a few other players kind of slid on Sunday, but uh, good for Hovland. Uh, I don't have a whole lot of takeaways, obviously, because I did not play. But uh, what uh, what did you think of the memorial last week? Uh, how things go for you? Yeah, after today, it feels like it was uh, a month ago that we oh, yeah. were sweating the memorial. But uh, 
really fun Sunday. Um, I think there were 30 guys within three or four shots of the lead. Um, one of the most, one of the largest amount of guys that close to the lead that we've ever seen. And uh, you mentioned that. I mean, Danny McCarthy, he was making every putt and he was getting some breaks. I mean, he hit a tree on one of his drives, bounced back in the middle of the fairway. Uh, he was making every 12-footer for par that you could imagine. Then he had like a five-footer for birdie on the back nine and kind of felt like if he made that, uh, the tournament was going to be over. Uh, he ended up missing it. And then Hovland made the only birdie of the day on 17. So impressive, uh, you know, drained a long putt to get to seven. At that point, you kind of felt like, hey, if he could par 18, maybe then he can come back because those last three holes were just almost impossible. Uh, and that's exactly what happened. Um, then he ended up bogeying, and then we had the playoff. And it's good to see Vic get, uh, you know, his first really big win. Um, and, yeah, it was it was a fun Sunday. Ricky Fowler, top 10. All of my guys, man, I had three guys, uh, you know, that were either T1 or T4 heading into Sunday that I bet on. And they all finished outside the top 20, I think. So it just goes to show, you know, how big of movement there was in the leaderboard because um, that course was so tough. It was so baked out. And, uh, you know, even Jack Nicholas on the broadcast, you know, he was kind of laughing like, yeah, these holes are impossible. Um I think he's like 88 years old and he was, he was on the broadcast. He still got it. I mean, he's making, you know, quick remarks and uh, comments and he was pretty funny as well. So yeah, I thought it was a great tournament. Love the course. Um, and anytime you get a, a winning score in that single digit par, under par, uh, it's kind of my favorite type of golf. You know, it's just pretty remarkable that like Scotty Scheffler barely made the cut, uh, maybe one uh, on the number, I think. Uh, and he still ended up like right there at the end of the week. And if you look at, we've talked at length on this show about Scotty Scheffler finishing like, you know, 15th or better. And who knows how many I'm going to pull up his, uh, his results now. So third last week, uh, again, uh, or no, when, did he finish third last week? Anyway, he was right up there. They don't have that on his PJ. Yeah, he page. was third. Yeah. Third last week, then third. Uh, at the Charles Schwab, second at the PGA, fifth, tenth, eleventh, first, fourth, twelfth, first, eleventh, seventh, second, ninth, third. Uh, hasn't finished outside the top fifteen in an event since October of 2022. And Scotty Scheffler ranks 146th on tour out of 197 golfers in strokes game putting. So you look at a guy that's finishing top ten basically every week. And he's 146th out of 197 golfers in strokes gained putting. Uh, it's just remarkable how good the guy is from tee to green, like every single tournament. It's just he ridiculous. 20.8 strokes tee to green last week, and he lost 8.4. So if he loses just 7.4, he's in the playoff. I mean, that's just crazy, uh, like you mentioned. I mean, he's just been – Elite tee to green. I think he's almost a full stroke better than everyone else on a per round basis on the season. Uh, that's just unheard of. You usually see like a, a 0.05, maybe 0.1 uh, for some of the you know strokes gained approach off the tee, that kind of stuff from first to second. And he's a full stroke ahead of the next closest guy on the PGA Tour. So I don't know if that's concerning that you know he's not being able to win while he's you know striking it better than anyone has you know since elite Tiger Woods, but. Uh, yeah, if he could just figure it out on the greens, he would have, you know, five or six wins already this season. He's averaging 2.78 strokes above field average per round on uh, tee to green, uh, 2.78. Rory is second at 1.87, and then Rahm at 1.85, Tony Finau at 1.65. So 
remarkable the way he's playing Tita Green and uh, incredible that uh, he's still able to run off all these top tens. Uh, either incredible that he's making all the top tens with the bad putting numbers, or if you want to look at it in reverse, uh, pretty incredible that he's not winning all the time with the Tita Green numbers, I guess. Depends on how you want to uh, consider the glass full or empty. Uh, but anyway, another good week for him. He's not in the field this week. And uh, at this point, uh, we can probably move along and start going through the field. Um, might skip the snake draft tonight since we spent about 20 minutes there on the, the live stuff. But uh, we can try to pick that back up next week. Um, anyway, we've got uh, the RBC Canadian Open this week. Lots of changes in the field, as always happens, because we had the final U.S. Open qualifiers on Monday. That also feels like it's been about a month ago, but it was just yesterday. Um, but the uh, the U.S. Open qualifiers concluded, and some guys qualified for the U.S. Open, so they've withdrawn this week. We've had about eight or ten field changes. Uh, you can keep up with that on, uh, you know, with our we'll get our projections updated. You can check out the PGA Tour communications Twitter Twitter page um, if you want to see all those changes. But you know, we'll go through some of the guys here uh, just to make sure you're not throwing them in your lineups, but. Uh, could be even more changes, you know, as we get closer to Thursday. So just a week where we need to keep an eye on the field uh, a little bit more than normal. We also have a new course in play this year for the RBC Canadian Open. This tournament was not contested for two years due to COVID. Uh, then last year they used a new course, and now this year they're using a new course. So course history pretty much irrelevant. Rory McIlroy has won this event the last two times it's been played. Uh, but again, that was on two different courses. So take that for what you will. Uh, so we've got a new venue here this week. What do you make of uh, what we got for a tournament? Yeah, we got Oakdale Golf and Country Club. And uh, kind of cool, Jeff Feinberg, um, you know, friend of the show, uh, you know, everyone's favorite on Twitter and on the Pat Mayo Show is actually a member here. Uh, so he's been on the grounds, tweeting a bunch of stuff, talking to a lot of the golfers. Um, and he was actually out there. Uh, with Jeff Ogilvy asking him questions with the rest of the reporters today. I thought that was kind of funny. He was uh, doing a Twitter space as well. Um, everyone is asking Jeff Ogilvy questions about the, the player meeting. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be uh, par 72. The measure 7,264 yards. It's kind of a, a composite of three different courses. So a uh, unique par 72 in that there's only three par fives and three par threes. There was a lot of discussion about the 18th hole earlier in the week. A lot of people said it was going to be a par four but it's actually going to be a par five that measures 498 yards. It's kind of a tough second shot. Um, you don't think a lot of – it doesn't seem like a lot of golfers are going to be hitting driver out that tee, so it's going to be a long second up the hill. But uh, the par five should be very scorable. Originally, I was kind of expecting something in the twenty mid-20s uh, to be the winning score each of the last four years at the RBC Canadian have had a winning score of at least 1,900 par. But um, talking with, we've seen some of the caddies say they expect the winning score to be around 15 under. So um, maybe the course is going to have a little bit more teeth than we expect. Uh, and the main defense is going to be the rough. I and mean, we've seen rough videos that we usually only see at the U.S. Open. Um, it's supposed to be four to five inches thick. Uh, we'll see if they end up cutting it on Wednesday. They sometimes do that before the Pro-Am. But if not, it's going to be extremely thick rough. And uh, that kind of leads me to think it's going to be more of an accuracy off the tee type of course it's not overly long so you don't necessarily have to bomb it out there um, iron play is going to be important the greens here are pretty small uh, they feature bent grass they are undulating and then going to be looking at putting just because i do think um, if it does play on the easier side you know typically you're gonna have to make a lot of putts but uh, yeah we don't really know um, we're kind of just making assumptions and uh, rolling with it so if you think it's going to be a bomb and gouge type of course you know run with it 
If not, um, I'm kind of leaning towards more accurate angle, but I certainly think you can make a case, uh, you know, for a specific type of golfer and then kind of go from there. Yeah, based on uh, reading uh, some of your stuff here before we came on the air, it looks like Noto's going for the plotters and, uh, you know, the the, the accurate uh, hitters this week. So uh, we'll see how the course plays. I think it'll be really, really interesting. Um while also seeing if the tournament just kind of becomes the backstory, uh, like how they're going to frame the coverage this week. It's just fascinating, um, you know, how, how that's going to be framed in the context of there actually being a tournament this week. Uh, it just adds another layer of, uh, of intrigue, uh, especially with a lot of these guys that, you know, have like Rory that have been defending the tour. Um, you know, what kind of mindset are they going to bring to the, uh, the tee? this week uh, not that that's anything we can quantify in terms of projections but uh just uh, makes it pretty interesting to talk about all right uh, well we've only got a handful of golfers above 10k on DraftKings this week uh with rory and then sam burns and hatton being above 10k maybe we can throw make it this kind of a five-man top tier you've got fitzpatrick and connors just right below them at 9900 and 9800 uh, with it uh, seems like Rory and Hatton soaking up uh, most of the ownership. Uh, Hatton has quietly been playing very well himself. What do you kind of make of this top group here? Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Yeah, I can't wait to see how Rory plays this week. Coming off of a very disappointing Sunday where he had the lead after nine holes and uh, just fell apart on the back nine. Uh, he couldn't hit a wedge. He was bogeying from 100 yards out in the middle of fairway. Now he comes to a course where we're expecting to have a lot of wedges and we have all the stuff that's going on with Liv and the PGA Tour. And he's been the face of the PGA Tour for you know however long now. We already talked about all this, but uh, man, it's going to be hard for him to just show up and, and play his best. So He's the best player in the field, for sure, but the form's been off a little bit. I know he's got back-to-back -to -back top 10s, but prior to that, he was struggling a little bit. And uh, the wedges are a concern. So I like Haddon the best of the, the 10K guys. You know, he's just been so consistent. Five straight top 20s. He's good around the green. He's good on the greens. Um, he's quietly gained at least one stroke off the tee in 11 straight events. So guy that you don't think of as a great driver of the ball. Um, that's become one of his biggest strengths. Um, so he's easily my favorite above 10K. Uh, no strong take on Burns. What about you? Yeah, probably off of, of Burns. I'm lower on Rory a little bit. I mean, just given the the, the the overall form, granted he had a pretty good week, but 
still not in tip-top form, and I somewhat worry about his kind of reaction to everything from today. Uh, so I'm with you on Hatton being kind of my favorite uh, when you factor in course fit, when you factor in, you know, the just the, the recent results. And uh, I, I do think that this course will minimize the benefit of the driver a little bit too. So, uh, again, I, it's not trying to say that you can't play Rory. Uh, he's also more than $1,000 uh, expensive than pretty much everybody else. So I think it helps you get better golfers around the rest of your lineup if you're starting with a Hatton or starting with the Connors. Um, those are my two favorite kind of around or near the top this week. Anytime you get a ball strikers course, you know, Connors is going to pop there too. So, uh, yeah, it's Hatton and, and Connors. I think for me, um, probably be a little bit under on, on Rory and, and Fitz, but not that I dislike any of these guys, but yeah, Hatton and Connors will be the two that I try to prioritize. Um, just because I just that 11 five salary on Rory. I mean, right. There's not a whole lot of value at like six K to 6,500. That just makes it super easy to, to get Rory in there. And it's not like he's in the, you know, the overall form that we've seen with Scheffler. Rory's kind of been a notch below that. So yep. Hatton and Connors for me, I think. Yep. And uh, yeah, I don't mind Connors one bit. Um, He did miss a cut last week. Uh, one interesting stat, no Canadian has won the Canadian Open since 1954. So um, if you are making outright bets this week, maybe stay away from the likes of Connors and Hadwin and, and those but guys. They're due. I, they're due. I don't know if it's a pressure thing or if it's just a, a talent disparity. But, uh, yeah, it's been a very long time since uh, we've had a winner, 70 years almost. Um, but, yeah, I mean, to be fair, uh, Canada golf is probably better this year than it's been in a long time. Um, so I don't mind the Connors play. Fitz, if the if the course is hard, then I do think Fitz is in play. If it's easy, um, he tends to not be as good on the easier courses. Um, and then just dipping into the 9Ks, I do think it's a really strong range. Um, Rose and Fleetwood seem like two of the safer plays on the board. Both have been in great form. Um, both have been good with the short game. Rose has improved off the tee. Fleetwood's improved with his irons. So I think you can definitely start a lineup with those two if you want. Uh, you can make a case for Shane Lowry, who's been elite tee to green. He's kind of turning it around a little bit with the putter. I think he's gained strokes putting in three straight events. So, yeah, I don't mind starting just in the 9Ks, going two or three of them, and then dipping down to the 7s because the 8K range is it's kind of ugly. Um, oh, we'll get there in a sec. But, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of interesting plays in the 9Ks. Don't know what to do with Tigala, Cam Young. I continue to say I don't, <laughs> I don't know what type of course fits Tigala, but he always seems to play well. He's made 94% of cuts over the last 14 months, better than anyone else in the field, which uh, I thought was interesting. And then uh, the final play there, Matt Kuchar, again, uh, if it's a plotter course, if it, you know, if there's a premium on accuracy and uh, putting, I do think uh, is interesting. It looks like he's going to be sub 10%, which I like. The only cut, ironically, that Tigala has missed uh, this season was at the Sanderson Farms, uh, which is like one of the weak field events you'll see all year. Uh, which uh, that's golf for you. It just can be a little bit weird sometimes. But uh, so, yes, I don't mind him for consistency. Um, I am with you on the Kucher call this week. Uh, never feel great targeting him as a GPP guy, but uh, the irons have been significantly better of late. Uh, I think, you know, one or two or one and a half kind of bad starts has people away from him. Um, it's a course that if you're, buying the angle of it de-emphasizing the driver should help him 
Um, the price tag is a little bit steep maybe. And that's just got, I mean, right now we've got him as the lowest, no, lowest projected own golfer above 8k on DraftKings. So I like the Kucher call this week. I think he's fine in GPPs. Um, if Kucher is really going to be 5% and Cam Young is going to be 27% and even Thigala at eight, uh, I'll play the ownership game here. I like uh, going a little bit contrarian this week uh, in this range. Rose is the other guy that's getting some buzz. Uh, another talk about a resurgence. We've talked about Fowler plenty of times on this show this year. Rose uh, playing playing well in his own right. Um, I, I don't have a strong take on a lot of guys in this range, but I do agree with you that I think in general it's a better range than trying to get a couple guys in the 8Ks uh, to where I think if you build a lineup with like nines and sevens, it's probably better than dipping into the eights a little bit more. Uh, so guys like Fleetwood, Lowry, Tigala, Kucher, I just like them a whole lot better than the guys in the 8K range, um, of which my favorite was Bramlett, and then he withdrew this morning. So uh, just not a lot in the 8K range to like. Anything else on the 9Ks uh, for you? Otherwise, you can start going through the 8Ks as well. Yeah, I think we covered everybody in the 9Ks, and I agree with you. I mean, the 8Ks is pretty ugly. At the very bottom, I don't want Michael Kim. He's been playing great. A couple top 10s recently. Um, he had some funny comments on Twitter today about uh, everything that's happening. Hmm. Everyone else, Yeah, man. he's pretty good on Twitter. I didn't yeah. realize. I didn't, didn't, uh, I didn't think I followed him before today. But his stuff kept popping up in my timeline, and uh, he's not afraid to say what's on his mind. Yeah, uh, and unlike James Hahn, some of it's actually uh, kind of funny. Um, but James Hahn, man, he's got to be—he's got to be feeling pretty good about all of his comments against the PGA Tour. So um, I think he was in the meeting. Is he in the field? He, I guess he's got to be. Yeah, he is. Um, but yeah, the, the AKs—you know—you obviously have uh, Ludwig Aberg, who um, he was like 150 to one to start the week, and then Rose Jane won on the LPGA Tour, and her very first start as a pro and so everyone automatically assumed that Aberg's going to come out here and win in his first start as a, a pro i don't think uh you know he's nearly as big of a prospect if you will as rojang is uh, on the lpga tour so i don't think i'm going to be chasing that um, i'm fine taking a wait and see approach with some of these younger guys but yeah i mean i don't like svensson that much taylor Hoygaard. It just seems like there's a lot of miscut equity here. So I'd rather just pay up for the nines or just dip down to the sevens, who I think you know, just as strong a play is there. Yeah, pretty incredible. It's a shame that it's going to get lost in the uh, shuffle of the news cycle with golf this week, but uh, pretty cool for uh, Rojang to, uh, to win in her professional debut. And uh, seems like uh, she's got a very bright future there on the LPGA tour. Uh, already being compared to Tiger, so no pressure. Uh, <laughs> with the so was Mike. So was Michael Block two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Zhang has the Stanford connection, and everything. So it'll be really interesting to see where her career goes. Uh, I'm with you on you know Aberg. It's not uh, not as uh, a lock, but uh, don't mind him in some GPPs. You know if you want to take the risk reward approach, but um, you know doesn't necessarily need to be a core option by any means. Uh, Moronk is a guy I've seen get a little bit of buzz. Um, I had tagged, as I mentioned, Bramlett was my favorite. Uh, I had tagged him, but he has withdrawn. So I changed that right up in my article and uh, my tag in lineup HQ to the aforementioned Michael Kim. 
who's another guy that has just been making a bunch of cuts. Uh, his last uh, three or four that he's made have all gone for pretty solid finishes as well. So a uh, guy that's just uh, rediscovered his game, a la Brendan Todd, um, over the last uh, year or two after missing a bunch of cuts in a row. So good on Michael Kim, and uh, Noto was one of the first people on that back on that uh, bandwagon. So uh, kudos on uh, on hitting hitting that on the uh, buy and low phase, and uh, you know still not that not that expensive at at 8K. So uh, otherwise, I'm kind of with you. I just don't think this range is all that great. I don't think you need to play Hadwin, Svensson. You know, if the ownership's in the double digits, I can kind of take or leave. Probably not that interested in, in Nick Taylor. Uh, so, yeah, I like Kim. I, I, I like Moronk. Uh, but outside of that, probably not a whole lot in the uh, the 8Ks. Anything else in there for you? Man, I drove out. So I have to drive to Wyoming to get my bets in each week. So I do that once a week. Drove out today to bet on uh, Michael Kim because he was 100 to 1 yesterday when I wrote him up. And uh, DraftKings and FanDuel lowered that to like 55. So couldn't bet on him. So. I uh, hope he finishes like top five for my DFS, but uh, I'd be pretty mad if he ended up winning this week. How far is that drive for you? It's about an hour. So it's uh, it's a pain, but uh, at least it's an option. Um, I didn't know it, it was even legal in Wyoming until about six months ago. Well, the, the 10 people that live there are, I don't know, I'm, I can't. <laughs> it's I live a small in, town that I drive to. I live sure. in rural Illinois, so I can't, uh, I can't, I can't talk any crap about uh, states without a lot of population. But uh, do you get, is there a lot of legal books there? Or how many options do you got in Wyoming? Uh, FanDuel, DraftKings, and BetMGM. And I haven't tried BetMGM yet because when I did it in uh, Nevada, I think it might be just a Nevada thing, but you had to go through like play something and it was almost impossible to get my money out. You had to go to the, um, you know, one of the cashiers to get your money out. And so when I go back to Utah, you know, I couldn't really get it out. So I haven't tried BetMGM yet. I have not had any problems with BetMGM in Illinois, uh, other than the fact that I can't bet more than about $10 on anything there now. <laughs> so uh, that's... Uh, it means you're doing well. I guess so. That's the way it is. Uh, definitely the one where I had the most success, and uh, there, uh, uh, you find some friendly NBA lines there for what it's worth. If you ever want to try that out, maybe wait till basketball season comes back. Um, but yeah, no issues with the withdrawals or anything, at least here in Illinois. All right, so let's go ahead and move into the 7K range. I mentioned Noto likes some of the plotters this week, so fitting that uh, your boy Brendan Todd starts off the 7K range. Uh, some. You know, good options here. Maybe not a lot of great options, but at least some playable ones. And with the 8Ks being not so great, maybe you round out your lineup with a few guys in here. Uh, what are you looking at in the 7Ks? Yeah, so I'm kind of banking on the fairways being a premium this week, given the four, four and a half inch rough. So um, very few hit the hit more fairways than Brandon Todd. One of the best putters on the PJ Tour. He's actually number one in this field in strokes game putting on bent grass. And the Irons have come around a little bit recently. He's gained in five of his last seven. So I think Todd is interesting. doesn't look like there's going to be that much ownership, which I like. Uh, I like Eric Cole as well. He's going to be more popular. But, I mean, he's been playing great golf all season. And, you know, when he gets – when he makes cuts, he tends to move up the leaderboard. We've seen him contend twice now, once at Honda, once in Mexico. And uh, three top 25s in his last four starts. So I like those two at the very top of the range. And then – 
not really anything that I love until we get in the lower sevens. But, I mean, there's definitely some interesting names. I mean, Taylor Pendrith, Matt McNeely, they would be, you know, 9,500 if they were in better form. Um, obviously, we're kind of just hoping that they turn it around and there's not really anything that's glaring in their recent, you know, outings. But uh, they're at least, we know the talent is there with those two. Yeah, if you want to take a shot on the longer-term statistical models uh, and as opposed to the shorter-term, those are guys you can certainly play. Uh, David Lipsky is coming off back-to-back uh, top 20 finishes and another instance of, you know, just looking at recency bias, Lipsky was uh, right there in the running last week uh, until a rough round on Sunday. He fell back to like 12th, I think. But uh, that has the ownership back in the single digits or if he would have finished, you know, fourth or fifth, I think he'd have a lot more eyes on him this week. Uh, so Lipsky at 7,400, I kind of like. Uh, guys like S.H. Kim, you know, you see some upside with those uh, those players. I think, um, and I'll let you talk about him because I know that uh, it seems like you're high on on Aaron Baddeley this week. I think that's an interesting one. Uh, but there's quite a few guys at the bottom part of this range that I think make for good lineup fillers. Mark Hubbard is probably going to be the chalk. Uh, but you know, you can certainly pivot away if you don't want to play a 15% owned Hubbard and GPPs, uh, Noto mentioned, you know, Eric Cole being another option as well, but, uh, talk about the guys that you like at the bottom of this range. And then particularly, I think, uh, battle case is, a, is an interesting one. Man, Hubbard looks so good on paper. I know we usually don't want to target too much shock down here, given the volatility, volatility of golf. And just given the fact that. I mean, even the top guys end up missing cuts, but uh, he's top 30 in five of his last six. And during that stretch, he's gained 24 strokes on approach. So one of the best iron players in the field is Mark Hubbard and 7,300 good price point. He was in contention for a while last week. So I don't mind looking there. Um, you mentioned Aaron Baddeley. <laughs> I talked about hidden fairways. I mean, he's bottom 10 in this field in total driving. So I'm kind of going against uh, that narrative for, for my Baddeley take, but uh, he's gained six stroke on his approach. In his last two starts, um, he's made six straight cuts, three straight top 40s, and he's just got an awesome short game. Uh, he tends to play these easier courses a little bit better than the than the tougher ones. So I think he's interesting at 5% ownership. And then uh, Carson Young is going to be popular. I mean, the guy just finishes top 25 every week. So um, if you do want to eat the chalk, you know, you have Young and Hubbard, but uh, a lot of interesting pivots uh, in this range as well. Do you have your eye on anyone? Yeah, Young is my favorite. I mean, I've been writing him up for a while now, and I can't believe he's still so cheap. You look at the numbers over the last 24, 36 rounds, really solid. That doesn't even include some of his really good rounds and going through the U.S. Open qualifiers. Uh, just shocked that he's still 7,100 with those results. So uh, if you're looking for a chalk-ish kind of GPP play, I do like Young over Hubbard. Uh, I think they're both fine, but uh, Young is the guy I'll plant my flag on. Um I think we also we always kind of talk about the random guy that Hondizel seems to tag. That's Brant Snedeker this week at 7K. Uh, he's uh, going and taking the risk reward approach with Snedeker, who we haven't seen a whole lot of uh, because of injury. But have you heard what happened with him? No. Apparently, the doctor said um, we have this like experimental surgery. I think it's ribs or back. And uh, more than likely, if you get the surgery, you're not going to be able to play golf ever again. And he's like, well, I can't play golf now, so might as well get the surgery. And uh, now he's back. So uh, apparently it worked. And, you know, maybe we see a lot more of him moving forward. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, if he rediscovers some of his form, he could be a steal at those prices. Uh, anybody's guess as to where he's kind of going to go, in the, especially in the short term, but uh, there are certainly crazier things you can do with a, a 7K-ish play, especially because uh, the 6K range seems kind of you know, mediocre at best this week. Uh, the last few weeks, we've been able to maybe find somebody in here that looks good. Uh, there's just not a whole lot in the 6Ks that rates out well at all. I'm looking at both uh, your model projections and then our own Roto-Grinders projections and nothing really popping in the 6Ks. Um, I mean, I've seen a few things on Grayson Murray this week. I'm not going there. Uh, Kevin Chappell has shown some form occasionally. Uh, you can't trust him. I suppose he's okay, but I don't really like much of anything. I like a lot of the seven to $7,500 guys, not a whole lot under 7K. Uh, anything that's uh, standing out to you? Yeah, you mentioned a couple other guys above 7K that I forgot to mention. Nate Lashley, Akshay Batia, and Ben Martin. I think all really good plays. And then below seven, it's just – it's really ugly. Um, Sean O'Hare has been playing a little bit better recently. Rates out okay for me. Uh, Peter Quest uh, went to BYU. Um, I believe he he played on uh, the Outlaw Tour a couple times. Yeah, uh, that name is familiar from there. I thought yeah. I recognized that. Yeah, uh, he's a 6,100. Really good driver of the ball. Um, one of the longer hitters on tour. So if you do want to play the, the bomber lineup uh, in one of your GPPs, you could do worse than him at 61. And then Michael Block, he's back. You, you playing some Block this week? No. World class. Uh, once you get him off the tee, world class. I am not. Okay. Okay. I'm actually kind of rooting for him now that he, he was the most beloved person in America and then everybody hated him more than anyone. And now nobody week. cares now because nobody... The, the news cycle has gone so fast, nobody cares anymore. <laughs> it's so wild. I mean, this guy was a star and then he was a villain. Now he's completely forgotten. So uh, I'm kind of rooting for him. I want the block, uh, the block attention back. You want it back in our lives. I would not be shocked. You know, if it ha if something happens, it's just the way it's been these last couple of weeks. Uh, Mike Weir will finish inside the top fifteen or something. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, there's just not a whole lot to to get excited about down here. Um, I, I can't even. I'd just be throwing names out for the sake of of names. Um, you know, Hank Lebiota was good once. Martin Laird was good once. But uh, to me. Oh. Just one name, one name, Jake Knapp. I don't know anything about him, but he's got some good results recently. Guessing on the Corn Ferry Tour, uh, 6,500. He's made 91% of his cuts the last 14 months. Not too bad. Let's take a peek at uh, the K. Jake Knapp with the K. Yeah, I was going to take a peek at his uh, results here and see what we can come up with. <clears throat> Let's see. He is 29, born in 1994, turned pro in 2016. Uh, he is 21st on the Corn Ferry Tour money list this year. Uh, 66th, 9th, 41st, 5th, 7th, his last five events. So, yeah, three top tens uh, in April and May. So if you want to roll with the hot golf theme, hot golf is hot golf. And uh, in a weak field, maybe he can uh, he can keep it rolling. But not too bad. Six top 25s, four top 10s, and 10 starts on the Corn Ferry Tour 
this year. Um, hadn't played played previously for a couple of years, so I'm not sure if he had an injury or just had to get his card back or what his status was. But like you, I know nothing about him. Uh, so I'll go along with your recommendation just because I don't have anything else that I like under 7K. I'll try to stick to the lower end of the 7K range uh, with most of my values this week. Pretty crazy to see Eric Van Royen all the way down at 6,800. Don't know if you can, we can trust him at this stage either, but um, you know, there are some guys that if you just want to say, hey, this guy was good a while back, uh, you can you can roll the dice, but I'm not going to be going down here too much this week. Yep. Anything else for you before we get out of here? Again, we'll bring the snake draft back last uh, next week. Uh, it's U.S. Open week, so it's uh, we'll continue fast and furious here. In the golf calendar, we're going to have Hondas will join us again next week for the U.S. Open. But uh, anything else for you until then? Oh, check out uh, Scores and Odds if you want to see the betting card and uh, lots of other good stuff on there, too. The baseball team's absolutely been on fire. So, uh, yeah, if you want to check out Scores and Odds, do that. And uh, as always, check out the premium content we do at Roto Grinders as well. All right. We'll be back next week. U.S. Open at Los Angeles Country Club, then the Travelers Championship. Uh, all the way across the country in Connecticut uh, to round out the month of June before we head into July. So summer is here. Uh, crazy how fast the time goes by. We'll keep an eye on the golf uh, Twitter news and all this uh, live and PGA Tour merger talk. I'm sure there'll be updates basically every week on this. Uh, and then uh, we'll have the U.S. Open next week as well. So stay tuned for that. Good luck with all your lineups this week for Noto. I'm Justin. Thanks to Steve for producing behind the scenes for us as well. We hope you all have a great week, and we will catch you back here next week, uh, most likely taping on Monday, uh, back to the usual schedule. I was traveling yesterday, so I'm the reason we had to wait till Tuesday this week. But uh, we'll be back on the usual Monday rotation next week, and uh, we'll plan to see you then. So thanks, everybody. Take care and have a great week.